Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in, their va- in all their vast array. But the seventh day God had finished the work. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Very good. Thank you, Ellie. Keep your Bibles open. We're gonna, uh, it's a short text, I know, but we're going to work through it in some detail and you'll be well served if you can follow along as we do so. Uh, there's also outlines, which hopefully you will have got one at the door. If not, there's probably still some there, uh, which you can make use of to take notes and follow along as you please. Uh, I want you to imagine for me what uh, your ideal rest would look like. Uh, sit back, imagine... Uh, Picture the most restful moment you can, the most restful experience you can. I'm now going to spoil it by telling you mine. Um, For me, I I see myself uh, in lots of places, but particularly uh, I see myself in a lake up in the highlands. Uh, I'm sitting in uh, my boat. Actually, we're indulgent, so not my boat, but a far better boat, (laughs) uh, which is currently parked at Deegan Marine. Um, (laughs) It is the perfect day. It is dead still. The lake is like glass. It's that lovely quiet that you get up in the hills where you can just hear nothing but the birds, uh, insects. It's it's perfectly still. You've got that clear uh, eucalypt air. It's, It's crisp. It's fresh. It's cool but it's not cold. The sun's there but it's not beating down on you. I've got a bag of my favourite snacks in the boat that's well stocked. (laughs) Uh, I've had a good sleep so I'm well rested, I'm alert. I've got my fly rod in hand. Um, In fact, I've got a far better fly rod than mine in hand. And the fish are biting. Good, solid, hard-fighting fish. Uh, I'm able to see them, I'm able to cast accurately at them uh, and I'm meeting with success. That is, that is a great day in my book. That might sound like horror to you, but for me, that is rest. That is wonderful. And sadly, I've never experienced it. <laughs> I've tried. I've looked very hard for it. I've, I, I've even got close. But I've never experienced that day. There is always something wrong. <laughs> there is always something spoiling that day. There's wind, or it's too cold. Or it's too hot. Uh, The boat leaks and I get wet feet. It's noisy. There's motors and trucks and other people yelling. My fly rod tangles and I want to break it over my knee. Uh, There's mosquitoes. There's flies. My food is too little or too average. I'm tired. There's no fish. Or even worse, there's fish and I can't catch them. It's never quite right, is it? (laughs) That's that's our rest. That's our, our, our idyllic scene. It's spoiled, isn't it? It's too short or it's too interrupted or it's too non-existent or we're too busy, too tired, too stressed to even attempt to take something like this on. We've got so many things on. Don't talk to me about rest. I'm just trying to survive. (laughs) It's elusive, isn't it? We we want that rest. We yearn for that rest. We feel that that, that deep-seated tiredness within us and yet we can't get it. 
that true and deep and good rest that we so want seems out of our grasp. Or is it? Could it be had, actually? (laughs) Might we actually find it? Our text certainly suggests that it exists. (laughs) And Jesus' invitation that we saw earlier suggests it can even be had. So how? Well, that's what we're going to find out this morning. When I read this text, I I think the first thing that strikes me is uh, how different it is to what went before. Uh, the last two weeks we have been working through Genesis 1 and it's, it's a whirlwind of action, isn't it? God is there spinning into being absolutely everything from the galaxies to the stars, the, the sun and the moon, from oceans and continents and plants and animals and mankind, both man and woman. It's just go, go, go. <laughs> and now stop. Verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Chapter 1 finishes by telling us that creation was good. In fact, creation was very good. And now creation is also very finished. It's done. <laughs> God, God is finished. His creating work is over. We read uh, he rests. Um, If you've got a footnote in your Bible, it suggests an alternative is he ceases. He he stops. He's been creating, creating, creating and now he's done. Of course God's still active in the world. The world would fall apart if God completely stopped. But what we're told is his work of creation, his work of bringing everything into being is done. He ceased and he rests. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but that's an incredible picture, isn't it? <laughs> that, that seems the most ungodlike picture. A God who rests, who just ceases. Uh, it, it would have been a shock to the original readers in Israel's day because for them they were surrounded by nations who had all these different myths. Uh, but essentially in all of them, the gods created and created mankind to do all their menial work for them. <laughs> so they could ignore the boring stuff of life and go on to do more godlike work. They didn't rest. That's what, not what creation was about. But Genesis is very different, isn't it? Uh, God's not scared of manual labour. He's not uh, uh, trying to escape it here. No, he's, he's loving his work. He's doing his work well. And now he's resting in his work. Exodus 31 uh, quotes from this passage and it tells us that God was refreshed in his creation. He delights in his creation. He, he sits back and he enjoys it and takes pleasure in it. It's not that God stopped this creating work, this, this mundane work, in order to go on and do more godlike work. No, what God is doing is stopping creating in order to enjoy it, <laughs> to take pleasure in it. He loves his creation. It's very good. It's beautiful. It's precious to him. And he wants to rest in it. I I guess it's a bit like that satisfying feeling after you've done a hard day's work. Now everyone knows ministers don't do that. So I have to think back to when I did real work. Once upon a time. But it's like that feeling after you mow the lawn, after you do that, that garden clean up, 
You know, it's, it's hard work, it's dirty work, it's hot work. Uh, it seems endless, it's sweaty, you, you, you get sore, your back is aching, your knees are tired. But then you're done. And there's that moment where you can finally straighten out, uncrack your back and look around. And it's, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good moment. You know, you, you admire what you've done. The, the grass is of uniform length. In your mind, you know, it's comparable to the MCG. Uh, the weeds are gone. The clutter that they make is, is not there anymore. The, the trees and the hedges, they don't crowd together or crowd the paths. They're in their place. Uh, the roses are not this tangle that they were. They're now neat and they look good. And as you see that, this, this satisfaction courses through you, doesn't it? It's, it's a marvellous feeling. You can't help but admire it and enjoy it and, and move amongst it. Delighting in what you've done. And that's what we see in Genesis 2. That's the picture of God we have here, a God stopping and loving what he's done, <laughs> moving through it and enjoying it saying this is good, this is great, how wonderful it is. A God who's refreshed by his creation and glad for it. And it tells us that this is the sort of God that we follow. Not a God who creates merely functional things, not a God who is just utilitarian, you know, creating the bare essentials for life and nothing more but a God who delights, a God who loves, even a God who plays, <laughs> a God who prizes the work of his hands. He's not a killjoy, he's overjoyed in fact. <laughs> it tells us that creation was not merely made for work, that we as part of creation are not merely made for work. All of creation we've seen over the last weeks is good for man, a good place for him to be and so too is this rest. It is good for man, it is good for us. See, isn't it striking that the pinnacle of creation, that the seventh day, the day of completion, the day of end, is a day of rest, a day of enjoyment, of pleasure. The end of creation, the goal, the final act of creation is in rest. It tells us that, it tells us actually what this rest is like. It tells us that this rest is about enjoying. It's about celebrating and, and delighting. It's, it's good rest, pleasurable, right rest. It tells us that we rest in a world that's to be enjoyed. It's not a place to be tolerated on our, our, our journey to a better place. It is good. That's why in, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul can write uh, to his young protege, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. See, creation is for delighting in. <laughs> it's for giving thanks for. We do that in our living, but especially we do it in our resting. Now that might be different to what you were brought up in as a kid. It certainly was for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we've missed this badly in the past. Uh, our, our rest and our day of rest, our Sabbath, really in the past has been about not doing, hasn't it? <laughs> you went to church and not much else. 
Now, I've got to admit, I had it pretty good, but I had friends in uh, other places and other churches who had it far worse. For them, a Sunday was church and nothing else. <laughs> Literally nothing else. No games, no outdoors, no bikes, no walking, no playing, nothing. And what sort of rest is that? <laughs> it's tedious, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's boring and dull. And it's not right. <laughs> In fact, it's a tragedy. Because look what Genesis 2 is telling us, let alone the rest of the Bible. Rest is good. Rest is enjoyable. Uh, Isaiah 58 talks of the Sabbath and, and says it's, it's a delight, it's a joy, it's to be treasured. And when you look through the rest of Scripture, the way it describes our rest, the way it describes these special times, is always in the context of feasting and, and partying and fun and celebration. It's, it's enjoyment. There's, a, there's one particular point in the Bible where, where God's people came uh, as close as they ever came to this, this idea of true rest. It was under the, the King Solomon. We read it in Kings, uh, 1 Kings 4. And we're told this. They ate and they drank and they were happy. <laughs> that, that's where this is heading. We, we read that they lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. That's what this rest is about. Peace and safety, delight in plenty, joy. So you need rest. <laughs> uh, what this creation account tells us is that the, at the core of who you are as a created being, you need rest. You cannot go forever. You are never meant to go forever. And this is the sort of rest that you need. Enjoyable rest, times of idle rest, times of active rest, rest in community, rest in family, uh, recreative rest, celebrative rest, God rest. This is what you were made for. Rich and good rest. Not a one-dimensional rest, not a rest that's merely doing nothing or doing one thing, but a rest that is rich, a rest that is varied, that is doing good things and important things and many things reflecting this good and important and diverse world that we live in and that we move in. So why is it so elusive? Why isn't our rest like this? Because our, our text implies that it should be quite normal, doesn't it? When you read this verse, these verses... The, the weight of it comes down on the fact that this rest goes on. Look with me again at verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. You might notice this day is different to all the days that have gone before it. At the end of every other day we read there was evening, there was morning, the third day or fourth day or fifth day. It's not here, is it? There's no evening, is there? And the implication is, that's because this day goes on. This day hasn't stopped. It, it, it continues. This rest uh, is, is meant to, to last and to, to go on. What's more, this day is clearly a special day, isn't it? Look at the way God treats it, what he says about it. He, he blesses this day. He makes it holy. What he's saying is, day, do your job. <laughs> Be fruitful and good. Be set apart and special. Do your work. So why isn't it 
Why isn't it like that today? Why is rest hard to find? (laughs) Not good, not a blessing. Why is our rest always encroached on rather than set apart? Well, I think a better question that we need to ask ourselves first is, how was that rest so good then? Why was it so good back then? And I hope you'll agree that the answer is quite clear because we've seen it over the last weeks looking through Genesis. It was so good because God was at the centre. It was so good because it was all about God. We see that again here, don't we? It's actually God who institutes rest. It's God who makes rest. It's God who models rest. It's God who, in his goodness, gifts rest to, God, uh, to, to, to us. See, this rest is possible because God is there. What we're being told here is that this rest is found only with God, in perfect relationship with God, when all things, as a result, are working in harmony, as they were created to do so. And that explains why we could have it then, even if not for long, and not anymore. Because only a chapter later, all that beautiful, created harmony was shattered. This perfect existence was fractured because God's relationship with man was broken as man rebelled against his word. And all of this perfection, all of this goodness, it shatters like a mirror dropped on concrete. Now it's broken. There is enmity between God and man. There is conflict between man and man. And there is violence between man and creation. This true and good and perfect rest, this harmonious existence is broken. And it is now out of reach. It is unattainable. It's a bit like when you pull glad wrap off the roll or alfoil. Uh, I don't know if you ever do that. When you see it there sitting on the roll, it is perfect, isn't it? It's, it's flawless. It's uh, flat. It's unwrinkled. It is absolutely... I don't know if you... Do you ever do that? You, you pull the roll out and you just admire it before anyone ever touches it? That's just me. You should try it. It's good. (laughs) It's good. But what happens? What happens then? You take a piece off that roll and it's ruined, isn't it? (laughs) All that perfection's gone. You know, you you, you pull that glad wrap off and whether you've got one of the slidey tabs or just the perforated strip, what happens? It springs back. It bunches up. Uh, You you know, you you try to stick it to whatever you're covering and it just sticks to itself better. And you you pull it this way and you pull it that way and you wrestle it back and forth and it's just wrinkled. (laughs) It's horrible stuff. (laughs) And as, as much as you try to fix it, it just gets worse. And so you have to try again. It's the same with alfoil, isn't it? You pull it off the roll and the second you cut it, it bends and it wrinkles. And I mean, you could spend all day with your hands, with a spoon, you know, trying to smooth it out, trying to make it perfect, and you'll never do it. It will always be wrinkled, won't it? And so are we. Sin has wrinkled us forever. It has taken us from that, that perfect existence, on the roll, where we were, were flawless and, and good, 
in perfect peace, perfect perfection. And it's, it, it severed us and ruined us. And we can't get back. We can't iron out those wrinkles. It's impossible. There is now this insurmountable gap that we cannot overcome between us and God, between us and perfection, between us and the rest that we were created to have. It's there and we cannot bridge it. So why does the Bible talk about rest so often? <laughs> is, it, is it just being cruel? Pointing us to something that we could never have? I mean, we don't have to go far, do we? The very next book of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, uh, you get to chapter 16, chapter 20, and all of a sudden rest is instituted. Rest becomes a law. Uh, we, it's called the Sabbath. It's to be observed on the pain of death. <laughs> Why? What's, what's God doing there? Why formalise something that his people could never truly have? Well, I'll tell you why. It's there for hope. It's there as a promise. See, what God is doing in the law there is saying it still exists. It's a sign pointing to the fact that it's still out there. See, the Sabbath is, is instituted by God, is, is continued for, through the life of his people to remind them God is a resting God and that true rest still exists. It reminds them to look forwards because that rest is coming. But how? I mean, do, we, do we just make ourselves good enough for it to happen? Do we just need to, to, to enforce it into existence? Well, I mean, we, we can try. <laughs> we can try and unstick ourselves and unwrinkle ourselves and, and, and smooth ourselves out with all our energy, with all our ability, with as many laws as you want. But they're still there, aren't they? It's, it's, it's unachievable. I mean, the Jews tried it. They had hundreds of rules just to protect the Sabbath. <laughs> do, you, do you think it made it more restful? <laughs> I don't imagine so. I imagine it made it much more stressful. But we do it too, don't we? We make rules, we set ways in order to, to try and get this rest. We, we say to ourselves, do this or be this or achieve this and you might actually find this rest. You could rest once you've done it. Be the person you're meant to be. <laughs> then you can rest, assuming you've become far better. Work for the weekend then you can rest. Work, work like crazy in your youth. Retire early. Then you can rest. Of course, it doesn't work very well, does it? Then we're too tired to rest or too sick to rest or too poor to, to truly rest as we'd like. See, all our efforts, no matter what they are, they come to nothing. This rest is elusive. We just can't make it happen. And that's exactly what the Bible confirms to us. In the book of Hebrews, uh, it's referring back to Israel, it's referring back to those, those Sabbath laws, that rest promised, and it says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's, it's what we saw earlier, isn't it? Rest is still out there, rest is still possible, that's what the Sabbath is pointing towards, but how do we have it? How, how, how do we receive it? 
Well, Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. See, there is the key, isn't it? Believing. Rest is, is, is not for the doers. Rest is for the believers. We enter rest not by work, but by belief. And that starts to make sense of what we started our service with, doesn't it? That offer of Jesus from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, believe in me, and you will find this rest that I have promised. How? Because Jesus reconnects you with God. Just as we saw in the kids' talk. How? Because he's won. He's, he's overcome that gap that our sin created. All that enmity, all that conflict, all that rebellion from Genesis 3 is washed away in his blood shed on the cross and harmony with God is re-established. Rest is, is not just some pipe dream, it's actually given and received. Not because Jesus takes all the, the busyness of our lives away, he doesn't, but because he establishes for us at our most fundamental level of existence in our relationship with God, peace again. That, that barrier of sin is destroyed. We are reconnected with the role, so to speak. We are reconnected with God in harmony with him again and as a result have peace, have rest. Jesus did what we couldn't do for ourselves. He fixes us, he restores us, he re-establishes us with God. One writer says, Our true Sabbath is not found in a day, but ultimately in a saving relationship with Jesus, where we can rest from trying to earn our salvation and find rest in his finished work. See, you can truly rest because you don't have to try and find rest in your works. You don't have to frantically scrabble around in this life to to fix what is wrong with you because Jesus already has. You simply have to believe in him and he will bear your burden, he will ease your load, he will give you peace and he will give you a light yoke of which he bears the weight of himself. See, only when you trust in him will you find the rest for your soul that you are yearning for, that true and deep and lasting rest. And only in that will then you be able to enjoy the sort of rest that God's intended for you to have here. This, this God-centred creation delighting in rest, finding it not by, by making rest ultimate, 
but by making God ultimate and resting in him. This, this good, fun and joyful and, and deep rest, this Sabbath rest, can be yours. Not by guarding it and setting it aside so carefully, but by delighting in it. Now it's true, the brokenness of the world will continue to intrude on your rest. Our world all around us is still fractured and hurting and so your rest will, will have its flaws. It won't be perfect, but it will be better because at the most fundamental level it is fixed in Jesus. Now we need to learn to, to rest in that, don't we? <laughs> We're not used to it. Our world teaches us how not to do it. And so we need to practice it. We need to practice taking times of rest. Days of rest regularly, times of rest regularly, knowing we don't need to work to justify ourselves. (laughs) Uh, Our Dutch forebears, they taught us some unfortunate habits. How to work well, for sure. Not how to rest well, (laughs) unfortunately. So we need to practice this. We need to learn this. We need to remember God created us finite. (laughs) Rest needing people. And so to rest and feel free to do so. We need to practice good rest, rest around God, rest with people, rest in this world, sometimes saying no to good things because we can't live full to the brim lives. We're not made to do that. But to rest as Jesus has freed us to do. And we do that, we we, we rest knowing that ultimate rest is still coming. That a lasting rest, a perfect rest, a rest like what we read of in Genesis 2 is the end game of existence. We rest here Our rest here is not a goal, but our rest with our Creator, face to face with Him. That's where we're heading. A rest not for a weekend, but a rest for eternity. That's why Revelation 14 says this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labour. We, we practice rest here knowing that better yet is still promised. Resting with our eyes fixed on God, the resting God who invites us in Jesus to join him in that perfect rest for all eternity. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, confess as Uh, a writer did many years ago, that you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Father, we have wandered far from you. We have sinned against you and rebelled against your word and the result is we've been restless at every level of our existence. And so we praise you that in Jesus you forgive us, you restore us, And you grant to us the peace and rest that you created us to have in relationship with you. Father, help us to trust him and in him receive this rest for our souls. 
Father, let that rest flow into all parts of our life to help us to rest well, to enjoy this world you've put us in and to look forward to that day when we rest in eternal perfection with you. In Jesus, our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.